Well, hello, everybody. Uh, glad to be here tonight. I am Jacob Winograd, host of the Biblical Anarchy Podcast, part of the Christians for Liberty Network here at the Libertarian Christian Institute. Joining me tonight uh, is my co-host, Matthew Bellis, host of Good News, Bad News. How are you doing, Matt? Jake, I'm doing great. I hope you're ready for this. It's going to be amazing. Oh, it is. Uh, we have a very special guest tonight. Now, I don't know if all of you have heard of him, so I prepared a special introduction for him. Uh, so uh, we did some hardcore investigative journalism to find this guy. So there's this clip from a, the Ben Shapiro show last year, and I'm going to play it here so you guys know uh, what I'm obscure. talking about. There are people on the right who are who are simultaneously doing much the same thing. There's like a group on the libertarian right who, who sound very much like Noam Chomsky on the left, who sound very much like Bernie Sanders on foreign policy. I, I, I don't know what to make of that other than they're just wrong. So Tucker Carlson, yesterday, he uh, he did a show with a comedian, uh, and um and this comedian I guess is a libertarian, and Tucker Carlson was talking with this guy, and this guy started ripping into William F. Buckley, and it led to this kind of odd exchange. Whatever this atrophy in like the intelligence of the American people, it's I think it's accelerating. I mean, it's a uh, look, and again, just like you said, I'll disclaimer as well. I'm talking about people who I don't necessarily like. Like I view Bill Buckley as one of like the great villains of the 20th century. I think he couldn't, ruined. I couldn't the, agree yes. more. <laughs> so, so after some hardcore investigative journalism, we found this libertarian <laughs> comedian who has no name. Uh, the one and only. You all know him, Dave Smith. Dave, how are you doing tonight? I'm good, boys. Thanks for having me. I, I appreciate it. <laughs> you anti-Buckleyite. The funniest thing about it is just that it's not like he. It would be one thing if Tucker had me on as a guest, or if he was like talking about me on Rogan's show or something like that, and I was the guest. But he found my show, right? <laughs> like it's my show. I know you saw my name all over it, and it's the easiest name to remember. <laughs> Oh, he's just the worst. I, I, I really <laughs> oh, hope that he's so butthurt that I just did. Candace I know. Owens show. I know. Oh, I know. I, I hope she I introduced you as libertarian comedian who, uh, you know, of no name. <laughs> well, I'll just say that there was a lot of joking around about that off air. I don't oh, remember. I, I don't I remember it. what we said on air if we mentioned it, but there was a lot of joking around about that off air. Boy, well. Let's get to what we're here to talk about tonight, boys. Um, so if you have been living under a rock, uh, not been on social media, then you haven't noticed that uh, Dave, as he is good at, you you have, uh, you were saying in, in uh, Bob Murphy's uh, interview the other day that you have one skill, which is marketing libertarianism to people. No, you have two skills, Dave. One is marketing libertarianism to people. The other is bringing out just the the peak sheer autism of libertarians on Twitter to debate over the latest thing that you've said. Um, so but I mean, to, to be fair, I mean, like I'm, I'm good at stand up comedy. I'm, I'm a good dad yeah. and a good husband and a good friend. Like I got like four or five skills, but that's a mean egg as well. So yeah, but like, I'm just saying there's a lot of good dads and husbands, you know what I mean? But like, there's very few people who can set Liberty autism on fire the way I can. <laughs> so uh, that is what's unique about me. It, it's very unique. So, uh, yeah, you were on Clint's show, uh, I guess, like a month ago or so after the it was when the uh, 
Putin uh, Tucker interview happened, mm-hmm. and you made some comments about libertarians who are on the more open border side, and so that you know just sort of worms everywhere again, and and we're having this debate for the umpteenth time. Um, you've had many conversations with people over the past few years. You had a debate with Spike Cohen. You went on uh, the Black F- uh, Flag podcast. Uh, you talked to a lot of people on Twitter about it. Uh, so we're here tonight to try to get to the bottom of this topic, try to find bedrock. You know, me personally, I've typically been more on the open borders side of this equation. However, I do think that the things that you're raising have have fair points, made me question a few of my presuppositions. And I think that we have to be, you know, careful of ideological possession. I think that's one of the things libertarians struggle with. And so I think we can have a conversation, the three of us here tonight, that tries to shed some light um, on this conversation. So uh, we're going to have a conversation about borders, immigration, as well as public property. Now, Dave, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, I was watching a lot of videos today. It seems like actually people have the answer to the public property uh, debate, which is that we just need to privatize everything. Yeah, is that right. Exactly. <laughs> I guess we can just end this stream now because I think that's the answer. <laughs> well, isn't it kind of look and and we can take this conversation anywhere you guys want to take it, but I I do think that look I've uh all of us I think just in life in general this is much bigger than libertarianism or the conversation about borders or public property or anything like that. We're always kind of learning and uh, adapting to the situations that we encounter in life and you know one of the things that i think and and one of the reasons why i was i was really interested to to do this podcast and and one of the reasons why i was excited to do uh to talk with bob murphy on the mises institute podcast is because i think that and i'm not exactly sure where you are matthew but i'm, I'm interested to find out but i i think that if i'm if i'm not wrong please correct me if i'm wrong that Jacob, your position is almost kind of similar to Bob's, where you don't really agree with me, but you also kind of recognize how awful so many of the arguments that are thrown in response to my position are. And so there's just something inherently to me that that's interesting about that. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's kind of interesting. And, you know, I remember, uh, Tucker Carlson, who you just showed me on on screen with, but he said something uh, once that I really liked. And he said that uh, sometimes he was like, you know how you tell if uh, a wound is infected is you push on it and then you immediately recoil. Mm. That's kind of Mm. evident that there's an infection there. And I think this is true in a lot of different areas where you kind of, and his point was also, you can tell where there's corruption or there's deceit when you say something and then all of the response to it is like, and all this kind of yeah. insanity. Yeah. And I, I think I'm, I'm really glad that I've, that I said what I said on Clint's podcast. It wasn't planned. There's been lots of times where I've set Liberty Twitter on fire where I planned to do it. This one wasn't, but I'm really glad I did it. Um, it's been a learning experience for me. It's. I think it's been exposing to a lot of other people. I think even a lot of people who don't necessarily agree with my position have been in the position that you and Bob are, where they go like, ooh, if nothing else, you have to admit that Dave's exposing something here amongst a lot yeah. of libertarians who like don't, they don't, they're not on as firm ground as they think they are. And 
I'll be completely honest. For me, it's been a little bit upsetting to see that. Like, I, I, I'm I, not happy that there's so, I shouldn't say so many. I, I don't know exactly what the percentage is, but there's enough that there's some people in the liberty movement who will re without having any logical grounding in their position. So it well, let, yeah, that was so Gen Z of you to say, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, there, there you go. Dave's up with the well, times. Um, well, just really to, to let you know, Dave, and I thank you for, for giving that illustration because I, I think that does expose a weakness within libertarianism, not in terms of the, uh, what the ideology would be able to say in response to open borders, but really the lack of unity within the modern interpretation of it, because I'm frankly more on your side, uh, to say, uh, you know, in, in lovely and Kapistan, uh, this problem would not rear its ugly head to begin with. Uh, but we live unfortunately in 21st century America where, you know, my dollars, my property have been taken from me and been put into the public sphere. And so having a, a discussion to say, uh, yeah, having complete and, and unregulated open borders really doesn't make sense because there's a lot of people out there that would unfortunately take advantage of that and hurt the people who are already here. I, hopefully I'm not uh, taking too many liberties with what you're saying, but well, uh, I, 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 would I would agree with you more than that. Well, so what I would say is that, it look, there's this current crisis in America. And uh, all right, actually, there's like 15 current crises in America that are very major. But one of the uh, the biggest ones, and I see them as being somewhat connected, is this, this crisis about um, public property. Hmm. And I, I'm connecting like the fact that many... Um, not all, but a large percentage of the greatest cities in our country are seeing massive flight out of the cities, right. like by the yeah. hundreds of thousands every year, um, right. because they're becoming unlivable. And the, the, in large part, this is due to the way public property or government property is being managed. Mm -hmm. And also you have this border crisis where millions of people are flooding in illegally yeah. Yeah. in an undocumented way where there's no nobody is keeping track or knows how exactly how many or who the people are and this is um and by the way I mean I'm I'm to some degree a victim of this and I don't mean to like portray myself as a victim I'm a I'm <laughs> you know I'm a person <laughs> who <you>. is doing <laughs> very well in life and I have a, a really great family and a great career, and I'm able to give my family a really great life uh, off of my profession, which is talking shit. So yeah. I'm not like trying to paint myself as some victim, but I, I am somebody who's had to leave the city that I love, that I grew up in, and in mm. large part because of this crisis, there are cities like San Francisco, mm. which, which were one of the greatest cities in this nation, which are now unlivable. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and a lot of this is because of the way public property, government property is managed. Yeah. And that there are homeless encampments. This is a problem all throughout the country that there is just filth and garbage and homeless encampments and drug addicts out on the street. There's also this process of people flooding in by the hundreds of thousands per month. And so in this situation, where this is this is happening libertarians 
are in an, kind of an interesting situation. Like, yeah. how exactly yeah. do we address this situation? Well, it's very clear what the why this is happening on government property and not on private property. Exactly. Right. Because and on private what, property, yeah. we have a solution to this. And so it's a very strange position for libertarians to be in where mm -hmm. some of them seem to be saying, well, the, the answer is you got to accept that. Yeah. You got to accept that that's that they have a right to do that. And you cannot exclude that even though in our ideal society, there would be none of this government property, but while there is this government property, we prescribe the exact opposite solution to what it would be in our ideal society mm -hmm. where it was all privatized. And so that to me is is enough of like that's worthy enough of like, well, let's investigate that a little bit. That's very strange right. that that would be your position. And I also, um, you know, there's I'm not straw manning. But there are some libertarians, not serious libertarians or prominent libertarians, but there's enough of the rank and file member who will actually say, well, we should go further. And in fact, all these people should be allowed in government schools or government libraries or government playgrounds or things like that. And um, to me, that is incorrect by libertarian theory. I want to make that clear first, mm -hmm. but that I will also say that if that was correct by libertarian theory, then I would simply reject libertarianism. Yeah. Like if, if, if the case was that you were saying that random homeless drug addicts who are covered in their own, you know, like feces and filth <sighs> should be allowed in public schools, which some not serious libertarians, but enough rank and file members will say to me, then I'd go, oh, okay, well, I'll just, I would just abandon libertarianism if I believed that well, were the, the conclusion, I, I which I don't say, believe. I, I would challenge someone to prove me wrong on this, but I can't, not, not only do I think these people are, are by and large, like libertarians who are, you know, not serious or at least ideologically possessed. Uh, you, you did a good job talking about this in a, a previous podcast where it's like some people get really like, once they've mastered libertarianism 101, they just think they have the answer for everything, and 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 that's it gives you the answers for a lot of things. But uh, some some things require more nuance and a sophisticated understanding of of reality. The other thing is, I have a hard time believing any of these people have children. Like well, I'm just I know saying, you like said something to me about that. Yeah, the other day. And well, look, I mean, but look and. I think that's true for the most part, but for anybody, because I can already hear people going like, not an argument or something. And you're like, yes, that's true. It's not an argument. It's an observation, yeah. which is largely correct. Because <laughs> the, the thing is that when, when you have kids, it, it does change your perspective on the world. And you do, you know, it's funny because a lot of, you know, what you, you kind of alluded to earlier where, um, if I'll make these arguments, like uh, I'll say, well, look, um, obviously I'm an ANCAP, but as long as there is government property, I think there's an argument that it should be dealt with this way. And people will respond by going, uh, well, I don't think there should be government property. Or, oh, so you're saying there should be government property. And it almost, at a certain point, just feels like I'm handing out IQ tests. You know what I mean? Like, we're not even, I'm just going like, so, but if you didn't eat breakfast this morning, how would you feel? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's this isn't even really a conversation as much as it is just gauging how much you can grapple with this idea. But, yeah. but there is this thing where when you have kids, you know, I, I, 
um, some of the people who I've I've been arguing with online, who really the like the people who make me actually question what is the state of the liberty movement in general and how dumb are some of the people who are involved in it. But, you know, as you said, a lot of them don't have kids. When you do have kids, you have a different perspective. So when some, when, when I'll say, look, as long as there are public schools, we should make sure that random homeless drug addicts are kept out of the public schools. And again, for anyone who's not familiar, I'm not straw manning. This is what You're people will, are exact. biting this bullet and and making this point. And it makes me so angry because like as someone like I feel like as we get into the conversation more, I'll be able to make arguments that I think are at least like decent for why I'm still a little sure. bit more on the open side than closed side. But I, it's not something I'm like a ideologically like committed to. It's just it's a matter of like calculating the trade offs of one versus the other. Uh, but B, what makes me so angry is that these people are are so ideologically possessed that and, and you called them out for it. And I know a lot of them got angry, but I just couldn't help but agree with you. Like what they're advocating for is evil. And you, I think you compared it to like well, being look. as evil as like as as communism. And I was like, honestly, like if you're saying that while public property exists, especially like like parks are one thing, but like schools where the government compels kids to go to these spaces and you're going to say like, oh, well, you know, the, the, the children and teachers don't have any more right to be there than well, the you know homeless the person shooting up fentanyl or heroin. I'm like, seriously? The, the <laughs> craziest thing about it is that there'll be these people, and I know you're saying, but like people who don't have kids and on top of that, who don't like make money, um, who are telling me that they're going, well, the answer is pull your kids out of public school. And it it's like, okay, listen, first of all, like, okay, I, my kids will never touch one toe in public schools, okay? So if you're trying to convince me that, like, don't send your kids to public schools, yeah, covered. I got that. <laughs> like, they're not going yeah. to ever be in public school. But I can also recognize as somebody who's like, like, I make good money. Um, and I've been handed nothing. Well, I should. Okay, listen. I haven't not been handed anything, but I haven't been given any money at any point. Like I didn't like come from money. I wasn't a trust fund kid or anything like that. I've earned what I have. But it is true that I I didn't. I'm not saying like I like I was an orphan and I never had any help in life or anything like that. But I'm just making the point that a lot of these guys are like people who are whatever you know, like have a whatever job. And they're they don't have any kids, and they're going ah whatever. Just don't put your kids in in public school. And it's like, well, look, I mean, in order to be in a position where you don't put your kids in public school, and you either put them in private school or you homeschool your kids, like, well, if you put them in private school, that's fairly costly. And if you homeschool your kids, that means one parent uh, presumably isn't working full time. Costly on time, yeah, yeah. Like that's I mean that's a. a you know, that's yeah. that not everyone's I, in that I position. Work, I work my ass off so that mm. my wife can stay home and homeschool our kids. Right. It's very <laughs> hard. Look, yeah. you you have to make if you have multiple kids, you have to make I'd say at least six figures mm. to like be in a situation where you can do that. Maybe not in every situation, but in, in, in most situations, you have to be somewhere in that ballpark. And the 
average the the median household income in this country is something like seventy thousand dollars a year that's the household income you know so like not everyone is in that situation and as a libertarian you know that you are robbed forced to pay yeah. property taxes for the public schools you're also robbed to pay income taxes and lots mm -hmm. of other taxes as well and then there's also these truancy laws in many parts of the country where you're actually like forced to send your kid to the school if you can't afford anything else. And so to say that that person whose kids are forced into this situation, I'm going to put their kids in danger because that, like, I'm sorry, I don't take it back. To me, that's as bad. And look, yeah. to be clear, when I said you're as when I said to uh, that faux lady that you're as bad as a commie or a Nazi and maybe worse because you're wrapping it in libertarian language, I don't mean to say she's as bad as a Nazi who, in Nazi Germany who was putting a kid in a gas chamber or a commie who was starving a Ukrainian to death. I'm saying you're as bad as someone in America today who's a Nazi or a commie like that. Just to be clear, what she's advocating, what you're advocating for is, for as, is evil as, as evil. Yeah. You're yeah. And, and look, just this is the thing when you have kids and you're not in the situation that they're in is that you when you have kids, you go like you start to understand what it is and you understand that other kids are as precious as yours. Like, I understand that other kids are as precious as mine. I, I care about mine more, but I also understand that, like, your kids are as precious as mine are. And it's just this thing where you're like, oh, I don't I know that seems shocking to some of you that I would say you're as bad as a commie or a Nazi or something. But like if I was in that situation and I couldn't afford to do anything else and I was making 30 grand a year and I needed my wife to work because I, I was only making that, uh, you know, luckily I'm not in that situation. But if I was and I I had to send my kids to uh, to public school and you were advocating that f that crackheads be allowed to sit down next to them in the second grade like if you were putting my kids in that situation listen let me tell you something calling you a commie or a nazi is the nicest thing i could say <laughs> what i actually would say i feel uncomfortable saying on a podcast on air I'll, don't I'll let the christian titles fool you dave go, go ahead go on well, look i'll just <laughs> say this uh and and i mean this um there are some things worth killing people over. And there are some things worth dying over. There are some things worth dying in order to have a chance to kill someone over. Mm. And for me, that's it. Yeah. If you're talking about putting my kids in danger like that, that's what I'm talking about. So that's as I'll say it kind of vague like that, but yeah. that's that's to me the point and by the way i think that's actually consistent with christianity like i don't think i'm, I'm uh, wrong the bible with that. says that there's but, nothing more shameful than a man who doesn't provide for and protect his family so i think i, I yeah. mean listen dude yeah. <laughs> if you're if you're putting my if, if you ever in actuality in real life are putting my children in danger there is no level of evil that i wouldn't stoop to to prevent well, it, you from doing that and it's not so evil anyway, it's just defending so, i mean think about listen god in let's talk to it because i know you're jewish dave but let's talk to a story we, we all you know can can relate to the story of the, the exodus like mm -hmm. uh god resorted to some pretty like you know violent means to rescue his children the israelites from egypt right so it's like you know if god sends plagues and locusts and then you know drowns them in the sea 
okay, well then I think I'm on solid ground as a father saying I'll do whatever it yeah. takes to protect my children. So. Yeah, I mean that's that's it. And and look, and and I don't want to. I I'll be honest. I find like I I think some of these arguments are too unserious to actually like spend too much time on. Um, yeah. but it that is an argument that some people are actually making, and some. Yeah, some and, people and, are actually saying that I'm like challenging me to debate them on these arguments, and and it's like, look, dude, I don't know what to tell you. Well, like, then, you've I, you've I, I mean, look, if you've I'm not trying to be a dick here. I'm just saying, like, let's be honest. Yeah, if you I've learned a lot from I've learned a lot from all the experiences in my life, but I've I've learned a lot about this game over the last few years, and. I've debated a lot of people. I mean, like I do a lot of debates yeah. and th there are things that I, there are debates I regret doing because they were just like, Oh, this was too one sided. And there was no reason for me to do this at the time. It kind of seemed like, should it. like I, I, should I, I go grab a meme. Should well, I go grab a meme and keep it up for right, 10 minutes? I mean, Dave? look, <laughs> look, I mean, I, it, it, I guess that. part of it's my fault during the, the, the effort for the Mises caucus to take over the libertarian party, which I thought was a very noble effort. I still like believe that that was a, a noble effort. I thought it was important to debate some of the people who are our critics. I thought, I thought ridiculous things. And I really believe this, but I thought things like if you were the state chair of a libertarian party, then you would have had to be at least impressive enough to think and speak. You know what I mean? And like I found out that turns out not to be the truth, evidently. Uh, but yeah. it, it, you know, some of these guys like Foe's husband and uh, you know, um, even the this Zulu guy, and like some of them who are like challenging me. Like, if you think I'm actually gonna debate you on whether there should be no restrictions on entering public elementary schools or something yeah. like that, you're like you. You know I will Archie flower you. Like you know that's what will happen. And I'm not saying you have to agree with me on my position on borders. I'm just saying you know anyone yeah. who's paid attention knows the way that debate will go. And they're right. sitting here going, "Oh, you're scared to debate me." And it's like, "But dude, I mean, like I already know I'm just going to fucking wreck you. And then what's the point of this?" Like right. what, what what are we proving here? I'm wasting my time. I'm gonna yeah. embarrass you. Then you'll keep making excuses for another five years about how you know that's not really what happened. And it's like, I don't know. At this point in my life and my career, that's yeah. I'm just not interested in doing things. Yeah. It can't be that stupid. It's gotta be yeah. a little bit better. I can't debate someone that stupid. And I know what you're thinking. I debated Laura Loomer. Fair enough. <laughs> but, but at least that was a debate where millions of people were gonna watch it. You know what I mean? And like, okay, so sure. then there's there's okay, I'm debating a war hawk. There'll be millions of views on this, and that's worth me slapping them down. This just there's nothing worth it for me yeah. to do. So no. Yeah. Well, let's let's think about though the person in earnest. Who might say, yeah, I agree, don't agree, so to speak, on the open borders issue. You were actually able to pin your position, I think, rather well with Bob Murphy, excuse me, Murphy, in talking about um, the, the the thought process about 
uh, somebody finding your wallet or the state finding your wallet or coming into a, a park uh, that is privately owned? Why don't you go through that, at least that thought exercise? Sure, sure. Well, give look, that person the argument that, that, that you're coming from. Yeah, and I would I would encourage people if they want to really know my my position to listen to that that episode because I don't want to go through the whole thing again. But sure, go ahead. Yeah. look, I think that basically my position is, and it's not my position. It's not I invented this. And by the way, these guys on on Twitter think they're like smarter than Murray Rothbard and Hans Hoppe and Lou Rockwell and Ron Paul and Tom Woods, or that any of those guys don't understand libertarianism one hundred and one. Like, okay, and we can get into all of that, but. I would just say the argument is basically that, look, there is this thing called government property. Hmm. And the, what libertarianism, really, if you deduct from the, the libertarian principles, will tell you is that there never should be that. Right. You should never, yeah. you know, the non-aggression principle tells you that government should never exist and that they should never have taxation and, and rob from people and all of this. But once they have and they have this property, it's not such a given that therefore there should be no restrictions on it, or therefore right. it belongs to everyone, or therefore it's unowned. Like none of this actually logically follows. And yeah. that if you could imagine a situation, like if, if we say taxation is theft, well, okay, so the taxpayers have been robbed. But there's no libertarian principle that says once somebody is robbed, the money they were robbed for now belongs to the world or belongs to no one. That doesn't follow. It belongs yeah. to the person that was robbed. And right. yes, this gets complicated when it's the entire tax base. But the idea that because you were robbed to build and maintain this government property, it does not follow from that, that that property belongs to everyone or is unowned or anything like that. And if you actually were to say, which some people do, not all of them, but some people actually make the argument that it's all unowned mm. or that it belongs to everybody once it's robbed, then you look to look at what the, the logical conclusion of that is. I mean, it's not, think about how insane it is for a second. It's not just that in every... Uh, public school, you would have to let a heroin addict come in into the girl's bathroom and start shooting up heroin, like some random 55-year-old, would. you would have to, because, hey, that's his body, his right, he hasn't aggressed upon anyone, all he did was cross right, an exactly. imaginary line, you would have to, uh, public libraries, uh, public, uh, public schools, public colleges, you would right. have to, how dare a public university say that the valedictorian can get in, but the the high school dropout can't. Right? right? I mean, what what are these yeah. arbitrary restrictions? I mean, and it was and and the conclusion is that it would make life so miserable for everyone. And and again, just to tie this back to the real world, is that yeah. we're living in a, a there, there's a real crisis here where cities are becoming unlivable, where the um uh uninvited Illegal immigrants are flooding into this country in a way that is profoundly changing this country, mm -hmm. and and I would argue um, for the worse in a in a very bad direction. That nobody, none of the taxpayers, none of the citizens have agreed to, and that are is going to make the life for our children materially much worse. And oh, and by the way, also, it's intentional. 
Right. Like, I don't know why. Well, and you know, we're like not allowed to acknowledge that. that, but that it's, yeah. this is an intentional plan. And and the right. position from libertarians somehow is that we must accept that or even cheer it on or even encourage more of it is just ridiculous to me. It's not it's not in keeping at all with libertarian principles. Yeah. No, I I hundred percent agree. When it comes to just like the the abstract basis of of public property and what our priorities should be, um, I think I think you and I and all three of us are probably in perfect agreement there. And a lot of the arguments that these people who have been criticizing you make are are just to me insane. Uh, and not, and if they weren't in keeping with libertarian principles, I'd kind of be with you. Like, uh, well, maybe I'm not a libertarian because yeah, my allegiance right. isn't to the, the Christian caucus made a comment here. I thought that was good. It said our allegiance is to God and living our families, not abstract principles. So it's like, yeah, like I, I love my abstract principles. Don't get me wrong. I'm a libertarian. Um, but that's not what comes first. That said, I do agree with you that I think that when we look at, uh, like a libertarian understanding of public property versus private property. I think what a lot of these people are getting wrong, and I went and watched uh, the video that Zulu uh, kept on sharing. And basically he tries to make the argument that, well, the public property is a basically abandoned property because it was created by the government through theft and coercion. You can't deduce the actual like property owner because to deduce a property owner, like you'd have to like, you know, if you went to go try to use that property, someone would have to be able to say, no, this is mine through like Lockean homesteading or something like that. And if it's not perfect Lockean homesteading, it's not a legitimate property claim. So it, it's, he's like, so it, to me, that's like a bunch of mental gymnastics to try to get to the point where you say it's not owned property. Whereas I think, and I think you've explained it this way before too, the actual correct position on public property is that it is owned and it is homesteaded, at least in the case of like schools and parks and whatnot. It would be as if like the mafia constructed a, a building or constructed a park or something in, in your neighborhood. Right. Like that's still home. That's still, you know, labor being mixed with with land and resources and something new being made. Now, we as libertarians are going to say, well, it's wrong that the ways that they got the resources to make this property, you know, that's not legitimate, but that doesn't mean that the property itself is a unowned or B doesn't have a clear purpose. That's the other thing that they'll say, which we should touch on too is, well, the property can't have a purpose, which I don't even know what the heck they mean. Like when we say schools are meant for children, they say, well, property doesn't have a theological purpose. So, uh, yes, like, it does. What, what do you what mean? mean? What do you mean? <laughs> if I build a house, it's to shelter my family. Like, what? What does that even mean? Um, okay, so uh, look, I've I've had a lot of people who were um, who with with the guy Zulu. Um, yeah. And I'm sorry because it's like when people have fake names, it's weird to remember exactly what their thing is. But I had a lot of people who sure, were go like, ahead. Dave Smith. Yeah, well, no, fair <laughs> enough. That's his uh, name. <laughs> but I had, I had a fair. Again, not a lot. It's, it's always very hard to gauge this because obviously, like when I'm engaging with uh, people on Twitter uh, in, in these arguments, um, not like there's like people like there's a um, uh, 
Chris uh, Freeman, who I've agreed to have yeah. a conversation with, and there, there'll be Alex Norwash, uh, whatever, however you pronounce his name, who, you know, challenged me to a debate. And then when we raised 10,000 meals, backed out of it or whatever. But regardless, there's people like that in the Cato Institute types who are making a certain argument. But what these guys are making is a very different argument. So right. it's like kind of, you know, you have, there's all these different arguments for open borders. And then I, I actually think, even though I take the argument I take, I think there's several different, very compelling arguments against open borders that you, you could make, we could get into this. Um, but so the Zulu guy and, uh, ACE, there were yep. a lot of people who were like, um, on Twitter who were like, okay, look, foe's husband is retarded, but. These guys are making really good arguments about why you shouldn't, you know, believe in, in anything other than open borders. And I, I will tell you that just right before we came on here today, I think you might have seen this, Jacob, where I, I had an exchange with this Zulu guy. Bob Murphy even uh, just tweeted that he was like, dude, I was like, people had recommended you and I was going to listen to your thing. And I'm just I'm just following the logic of this thread. And this is insane. So I don't even know how, if you can't, if you think this is logic, then I can't trust anything you say, but just, just, let's just go through some of these claims a little bit, because I know, obviously I'm just saying you guys are insane and I'm just kind of relying on like prima facie, like, yeah, if you think a homeless crackhead should be allowed into a public school, you're a crazy person. And I understand where there'll be some libertarians who are very rigid, who go, that's not an argument. Not yet. And, and fair enough it's not an argument but it's also my honest opinion that I, th I think that no matter what your ideology is if you ever get to that point you should throw the whole thing in the trash and re-question it that's that's my point but i will also say i have an argument and i don't think your ideology is correct but it's just right. kind of like yeah. if you go hey i have this perfect blueprint for a house and then you build the house and the house is slooping over to the right and the roof falls off and the fireplace falls in and the thing lights on fire you don't just sit there and go yep perfect <laughs> perfect theory you know like, right so, yeah but so look i'll say this to say that um, government property is unowned, let's let's just take this back to libertarianism 101 for a second. Because I know there's a lot of people who will say, you know, the, like, as you mentioned earlier, the response to my, my position on this will be like, hey, but libertarianism 101. But actually, I'm very good at libertarianism 101. So let's just for a second take it back to that. Okay. So there's basically three major foundational beliefs of libertarianism 101 and they are self-ownership the non-aggression principle and private property rights now most people if you argue with them uh philosophically who are not libertarians they will actually grant you uh self-ownership and the non-aggression principle i've i've had these debates even with like like left-wingers um when i debated ben burgess um who's a a Democratic yeah. socialist, uh, college professor, uh, who I like, by the way, but I think is wrong on stuff. But he uh, basically agreed. I, I mean, he he said when I talked about self-ownership, he said I would call it bodily autonomy, but we realized that our definition of that is basically the same thing. And he agreed with the non-aggression principle. See, lefties will agree with the non-aggression principle. They totally agree with that. They just uh, disagree with uh, the property rights. 
So they agree you can't hit people and take their stuff. They just disagree about what's their stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they'll, they'll just be like, oh, yeah, no, the rich don't own that. They shouldn't. And the people have a right to take it from them or whatever. But so there's this connection that libertarians make, which I will admit is the trickiest of all of it, is that if you, if you think about it just on the surface, why is it that libertarians connect self-ownership and the non-aggression principle to property rights? Like, why is it that you would go, okay, because you own yourself, how exactly do you transform that into owning land? Because that does, at least on the surface, seems like a little bit of like, okay, there's a leap there, right? Like, it's not it's not as if, you know, even in the Lockean sense or in the more defined Rothbardian sense that you believe you can mix your labor with the earth and there, therefore it becomes an extension of your body. You know what I mean? Like, that does seem a little strange. So what libertarians are really saying is this. We're not saying if you stick your foot on a plot of land, that land now becomes part of your body. That's not what we're saying. But we're saying that, okay, if there is an unowned piece of land, and if we agree that you own yourself, and it's wrong to aggress against other people, and let's say there's a, a plot of land that is unowned, Maybe, for example, it is the, um, you know, it, it's the un, you know, discovered frontier or something like that. And you go out there and you build a house on a piece of land. Well, if you build that house and you build that so you and your family can live in that house and you put your labor into that, you work and you build this house and you do that, you have hurt or robbed from no one. You've, you've just worked and built something. And if someone else were to come along and take that house from you, then they have, in effect, retroactively enslaved you. You know, you worked to build this house, and, and that wasn't a voluntary transaction. You weren't working to build it for this guy, but he just took that from you. So you were, in effect, his slave for all of those many hours that you labored to build this house, right? So like that's kind of the essence of where libertarians go from this idea of self-ownership and non-aggression to property rights. That the, you you yeah. can like there's only one answer here where you could say nobody's rights are violated. Nobody was retroactively enslaved or enslaved in order to have this. Whereas if someone else comes and takes it from you then you've been victimized, right? And so yeah. that's the essence of Lockean Rothbardian homesteading that you mix your labor with an unowned piece of property, an unexplored, you know what I mean? Like like piece of property on the frontier is now yours because you have the best claim to it. And that's literally what it is, by the way, the best claim to it. And keep that phrase in your mind because that's really what it is. Oh, the that's going to come up again. The best we'll back claim to, the rest we lose to it. Right. So that's that's really what it is. It's not so much that anything is perfect. It's just that no one has a better claim to that than you. And so, therefore, it's yours. Because if anyone else were to come take it, it would be screwing you over. And by you just having it, you're screwing no one over. Okay? That's the essence of what private property rights are. And then, if you were to take that house and say, hey, I'll trade you this house for $100,000 or whatever, then, okay, you voluntarily traded your previous labor for what someone else has to offer. Okay. 
So that's like kind of what where the libertarian principle comes from of unowned property. Mm -hmm. But to say that government property is unowned property is like, well, the, the first problem there is that it shares none of the characteristics of what we were talking about in the beginning. Right. Th this mm. is just totally ridiculous. And like, I understand yeah. where people like Ace or or Zulu are there. They'll, they'll go, well, there's no clear transfer of property ownership. It's like, yeah, okay. But you're still just, now you're like trying to force this square peg into a round hole of like, well, it's kind of like it should be treated like unowned property, except that's not the case at all. It's not at all the case with government property that it's just like the frontier. That's mm. ridiculous. It, yeah. th th there's so many differences that even just to ask the question, what are the differences, answers the question, what are the differences? Well, the, the differences are that a whole group of people have been essentially retroactively enslaved in order to create it and maintain it. And so we're in a whole different world where this isn't just a pure libertarian principle of like you're you're traversing onto some unowned property. This right. is something totally and they, and when they just say it's unowned, they feel like they've totally destroyed this argument. But actually, it turns out, and I'm so, listen. I have nothing against Ace. I actually I I've seen stuff that he's written that I've liked. The Zulu guy. I only saw this one video uh, where he mentioned the thing with me at which i thought was just wholly unimpressive did and you then watch I had that this, whole thing uh, yes and then i had this twitter exchange with him like where minutes. i thought he was wholly unimpressive so like whatever um but what the, you get idea, to the part about the heroic homeless people yeah like the <laughs> idea that they th that they think that they have outsmarted rothbard and hoppa and tom woods and lou rockwell oh. and ron paul and all these guys is just like come on dude no i'm sorry you haven't figured something out that they haven't they didn't misunderstand libertarianism 101 and you understood it what they understand that you're refusing to acknowledge is that this is a totally different situation and that actually if there, there is this group of people who have been robbed to fund, create, and maintain this property. Then it's not the case that if someone else were to just come homestead it, there's no victims or no one else has been retroactively enslaved. In yeah. fact, there's this clear claim. Look, the Zulu guy says in his video when he tries to take on my example of the homeless guy in a playground, he says that. If a homeless guy comes and sleeps on a slide, he has homesteaded that slide. Heroically and now homesteaded. He owns he, he's very that part of the playground. I am not strawmanning his position. <laughs> he's not. He's this not. is what he he's says so in the video. And people are pointing to this, going, hey, dude, have you taken on this guy? <laughs> like, you're like. Dude, this is huh? the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. And I know they can say, dumbest shit isn't an argument. You're right. It's not an argument. Uh, it's an no. observation. And it's one that I really believe. Like, no, th this makes no sense at all. Look, I, I posed this question the other day on Twitter to a couple of the people who were giving me pushback. And uh, none of them would answer it. And there's a reason why they wouldn't. But I said, hey. So we're all ANCAPs here. So we believe everything should be privatized. So let me give you a, a hypothetical scenario. There's two ways that we, we, we could privatize things. There's two proposals on the table. One is that um, 
let's say, I forget exactly how I put it, but let's say that everybody who owns a house, like I own, I own a house, I own a few acres of land, um, and my land stretches to my neighbor's land on this side and my neighbor's land on this side, and then it stretches up to the street, but the street is my town's, you know, or whatever, unowned, whatever it is, you know. Uh, so it's Now, let's say there was a, a plan to privatize this government property, and it involved that everybody on my block the the little bit of the street out front of my property was mine. Like my property just extends a little bit further, basically, is the solution, okay? And then let's say there was another solution, a, another proposal on the table that said that the whole street that is the uh, the government property, that is actually given to uh, a private company in China. <laughs> and, and by the way, forget the connection of the CCP. So let's say it's Switzerland. It's a Swiss company, whatever. It's, they have no connection to the government. It's a, it's a really private organization. Is one of those uh, preferable to the other? And the two people who I asked it to both said, I'm not going to answer that question. And one of them said, that's a false dichotomy. And I was like, no, no, no. It's not a false dichotomy. I'm not saying those are the only two ways you could privatize something. I'm saying hypothetically... If those two proposals were on the table, is one of them preferable to the other? And I think right. we all know, right? We all know one of them is preferable to the other. Obviously, it's the most obvious thing in the world that one of them is preferable to the other because one of them is just kind of like, yeah, us, the people who have been paying to maintain this, this fucking road the whole time. And the other one is some random, like someone else in the world who has no claim over it at all. And right. like, if you can't answer that very simple question, it's because you don't like the direction that that's going to lead you in. Which well, is there to people say that there's a better claim. Know, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll let you go, Matthew. Go I just, like, go I, it's, it's hard that this is, this is a position that doesn't fit on a bumper sticker. And so you kind of have yeah. to explain it for a while. But it's like, look, Ace... Uh, who I actually do like, and I don't, you know what I mean? Like nothing against him at all, but he sure. makes this really fundamental flaw in his argument where he says that, and he's said this several times on Twitter. You've probably seen this, Jacob, where he goes, look, if someone robs you of some money, you have a claim to that money, but you don't have a claim to whatever they buy with that money. And that is hmm. just not true. That hmm. is absolutely wrong. Like, I, you know, it's funny because it makes me almost want to ask Ace. So when you say someone robs, like if someone robs me for a hundred dollars, are you saying that I only have a claim to a hundred dollars and not whatever they buy with the hundred dollars? Or are you saying I only have a claim to that specific hundred dollar bill? Right. Like I don't <laughs> have a claim to like another hundred dollar bill. I only get that one. <laughs> and what he is saying is that, look, if someone has only a hundred dollars to their name, and they rob it only the hundred dollars they stole from you, and they go buy something worth a hundred dollars. You have no claim anymore. And what they bought is now unowned. Well, there goes the fungibility true. of cash. I tell you what. Uh, yeah, but, that's, but that's just not true. That's not yeah. true according to libertarian principles. That's not true according to any legal system in the history of Western civilization. It, yeah. Look, the government is an uh, is a criminal gang that has robbed a group of people, and they own nothing except government property. 
Everything else is just the ability to rob more people or the ability to counterfeit their money. And much like with, uh, say, Bernie Madoff, which is a very similar situation, someone who ran a Ponzi scheme, and when the bell came up, it was like, oh, he doesn't have any of the money he said he has. What do they do? They go after his house. They go after his boat. They go after his chandelier. They go after everything. They they sell it off or auction it off, and it belongs to the people who were robbed by him. And in that case, they because obviously the money they have is nowhere near the money that was invested, they gave it to the people who they deemed most needy. And as a libertarian, you could argue against whether that's the proper – but I actually agree with that. You could well, argue think, against right. whether that's shout the, out to Kevin Bacon. So right, whether that that's the right way to prioritize it, but it is simply not true that if yeah. someone robs a hundred thousand dollars from you and buys a one hundred thousand dollar piece of property from you, that therefore, like Ace's argument was, therefore the builders of that property have homesteaded it and own it. This is nutty. No, yeah, no, 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 no. They got paid for the job they did. Those builders are owed nothing. The person who's owed something is the person who was robbed. And the correct answer in a perfect libertarian society is that the piece of property would be uh, put on auction and sold and the money would go back to pay the, the person who was robbed. And uh, Essentially, the person who was robbed would be owed more than $100,000. They'd also be owed something for like the pain and suffering or the ha hassle of all of this. But at the very least, the person with the first claim would be the people who were robbed. So yeah. anyway, I think all of these arguments are totally goofy and lacking. And the yeah. idea that these internet guys have have like outsmarted Hoppe and Rothbard and Ron Paul and Tom Woods is just – I don't well, see I, it. So I think an Go important ahead, part to, to to this conversation is, and and you you brought this up that I think it's Rothbard who initially said that what, what we want to do as libertarian ancaps when we're looking at things the government does is we need to identify all right some things need abolished right like I mean we might want like private security but we don't want you know military bases over three quarters of the world right we don't want right. all, yes. all, you know uh, you know hundreds of thousands of, of nuclear warheads like there's some things that are just we don't want an IRS. we don't want to privatize the irs we want to abolish the irs right but then there's other things that well no like we don't want to abolish schools or hospitals or parks or uh security right police right we want to privatize those so there are legitimate services that the government is monopolizing the problem isn't with the service the problem is the funding mechanism and i think what some of these people are kind of airing in is that like you know they're 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 not making that distinction and then they're also not realizing the like when they're taking the open borders position they do so in a way that i find very disingenuous and even though i have often said i kind of I don't even identify as an open borders libertarian. I've always said, listen, open and closed borders are both state borders. And we as just like Austrian libertarians understand that anytime the state does something, you know, in the economy, in the realm of human interaction, it is distorting those natural human interactions, right? So the minute we've instituted this, you know, it is an imaginary line to an extent, right? The imaginary sure. line of the state border it doesn't matter how the state manages it. It will never resemble free market uh, flow of people and goods. It's just always going to be a distortion no matter what. 
and so we do need um you know like the, the the what we would do if we were you know in terms of privatizing or abolishing well, we'd want to abolish the idea of a state border unfortunately we're not anywhere close to that right now so then we're just having to deal with the matter of all right what policy can we are we going to advocate for right now that the trade-off because that great thomas Sowell quote that there's no solutions just trade-offs like i try to that's how i try to approach politics like you know i always work towards the ideal and keep that in mind but all right let's also deal with right now and you know let's try to find the best set of trade-offs that we can get at the moment and then it's like okay so what are the trade-offs now i think you've said this before and 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 correct me if i'm wrong when this country was being founded the trade-offs of open borders versus closed borders was very different than it is now. Yeah. 150, 200 years ago, the, the trade-offs of just having completely open borders was relatively little to none. I think that we need to, like, listen, if you're going to make the case for open borders being pre- even just like preferable, right? You just need to be honest about this dichotomy here. You need to say, you know what, listen, there are consequences and they are real. And then the burden of of proof, what needs to be argued about is, all right, let's look at the trade-offs of open borders, look at the trade-offs of closed borders, and it's a spectrum, right? But let's let's try to figure out like what those trade-offs are, be honest about them, and then decide like what, you know, what's the best we can do right now that we find to be, you know, the, the most tolerable that we can live with. So would you agree with that? Anything you want to add to that? Well, sure. I mean, yeah, I agree with that. But I also think that, like, look, let's say you had a situation where there's no, like, let, let's say the government police are monopolizing the police force. And they also won't let anybody else become a private police force, you know, like they're monopolizing right. it. It's not yep. as if there's another. And you were in a situation where there was a near zero violent crime but they're just arresting a ton of people anyway. It'd be very reasonable for the libertarian to go like, hey, you guys are like doing way too much. You know, like these people aren't violent criminals and you're just arresting them and they're not like infringing on anyone's rights. But then also you could say, let's say there's a situation where there's like a ton of murderers and rapists and and, and assaulters and, and you're not arresting anybody. And you go, you're monopolizing this service and you're not like punishing any of the people who are violating anyone's rights. So yeah. when it comes to immigration, which situation are we in? Yeah, we're, are we're we in the, the situation where no yeah. one's coming in? You know what I mean? Or are we in the situation where this country is being irreversibly changed? Right. In and, ways that are damaging the country intentionally. And look, like I said earlier, okay, the Tucker Carlson point. You know, you you touch something and you know how it's infected because everyone goes, ah, re. Like, that's how you know. And by the way, I'm not saying that anytime you touch something and people like snap back, that means you were right, but it means you're touching on something that's right. It means you're touching on something that's a question they can't ask, they can't answer, or they're not allowed to answer. Look, why is it? Oh man, this one's going to get me in trouble. But let me, <laughs> all right, let me preface this. Okay. I'm going to go grab the, holo- right the Holocaust happened. Okay. The Holocaust happened. Okay. Members of my family were you heard killed it here first. <laughs> I'm, I'm well aware that it happened. But all I'm saying is, why is it if someone were to say, if someone were to engage in questioning the Holocaust, it's like, where is if someone were to say, I don't think the Armenian genocide happened? It's like, no one cares. 
Mm-hmm. Someone were to say, I don't think Stalin killed that many people in Ukraine. It's just not, it just doesn't get the same reaction as like the right. Holocaust, right? Like, why is that? Well, the reason is because, not because the Holocaust didn't happen, it did, but it's because it is the foundational myth of the military industrial complex, yep. right? Like now, again, the myth isn't that the Holocaust happened. It did happen. The myth is that we fought World War II to stop the Holocaust, which is total bullshit and was a total like post hoc justification for the biggest bloodbath in world history. And in fact, the Holocaust happened after the war started. It's not as if we started the war to end the Holocaust. And there's a a fair argument that maybe it wouldn't have happened if we hadn't started the war, you know, like who knows? Next thing you're going to tell me Lincoln didn't fight the civil war to end slavery. Right. right. You know, right. So there's these things where, look, I'm just saying if you were to say, Hey, we never should have fought world war one. There's no energy behind that. But if you say we never should have fought world war two, it's like, you know, it's like, this was a thing that years later they used as the justification. And it's also been used as the justification for the entire military industrial complex in the many years since then. So that's like, you're not allowed to say that, that that's just like too close to like a really important thing. And there's many things like this and okay. One of them right now is what they call, if you say, the great replacement theory. People go, what do you mean? You're a white supremacist, the great... And that doesn't mean that everyone you've ever heard who's argued for the great replacement theory is right. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying there's a reason. There's an infection there. And there's a reason why people react that way. And my point, Mm. look, if you read Murray Rothbard for libertarians, read Murray Rothbard, the guy who invented our whole thing, Read his piece, Nations by Consent. Yep. And one of the points he makes is that he's like, look, the Soviet Union used this tactic of flooding ethnic Russians into all of their satellite countries. And why do you think they did that? Like, do you think they did that because they just wanted the Ukrainians and the Estonians to experience diversity? <laughs> Because diversity is their strength? (laughs) Or was there maybe a plan involved there? You know what I mean? And so, like, look, this is happening right in front of us. And it's not a white nationalist thing. But by the way, black people are the ones who are getting replaced the most, if anyone. Mm -hmm. They're being replaced by a whole new minority grievance group where no one's going to have to care about, you know. It's worse than that because people will actually acknowledge how the Russians did that to Ukraine. Right. You know what I mean? Like they will well, acknowledge that, look, but then they won't acknowledge make, anything about what you're talking look, about here in America. To make an atheistic argument that might you guys may not like that much, but let me just preface this by saying I'm not a Holocaust denier, and I'm also not an atheist. Okay, so, <laughs> but you know how like atheists will make the point sometimes that they'll be like, "Well, you know what it's like to be an atheist because you're an atheist for every other religion." Right. Oh, yeah. You know, and look, that doesn't prove what atheists think it proves, but it right. is a fair point. Like, it is a fair point to go, like, you're an atheist of Hinduism and, you know, like, a, a bunch of other religions, right? Well, at the same time, when you look at these other governments, let's say someone was trying to argue with you that Stalin flooded Estonia with ethnic Russians because he cared about diversity. You'd immediately go, like, get the fuck out of here, dude. No one's buying that shit. Well, okay, all I'm saying is that our government— in the in the midst of being a dying empire 
and we're in the middle of this like white hot culture war. And by the way, go look into the BRICS agreement. A whole bunch of dollars are about to be flooded back into America and we're about to deal with some real shit. And at the same time, they are importing an entire different class into the country while almost everyone in this country is waking up to how corrupt this system is. Is it so crazy to think that like, oh, maybe there's a plan here. Maybe this is intentional. Look, our government, it's funny because a lot of these like uh, the pure ANCAPs as they call themselves, I'm not a pure ANCAP. Okay, by the way, I don't care. I could care less if anyone says, if your argument is you're not a real libertarian because of my stance on this, great. I'm not a real, okay. The classical liberal guys think I'm not a real libertarian because I don't want to fund the war in Ukraine and Israel. Uh, you know, if you think I'm not a real libertarian because I don't care, okay, you're right. Here's here's the end. At the end of the day, I get on shows with millions of people and tell them what a libertarian is. So I get to decide and you don't. And I know that's not an argument. I get it. It's not. But it's also true. It's also true. Yeah, it's also a market principle. So (laughs) you can say this. I think I am a real libertarian. If you think I'm not fine. But guess what? I get to convince more people than you do. So whatever. Anyway, the point is that they are very intentionally creating this policy. A lot of these other people who say they're pure libertarians and I'm not, they'll say, well, you're advocating for an increase in government power. You're trying to build up the government to do something that it's like, no, I'm really not. I'm not. Did you see what they did in San Francisco when uh, she and Biden were there? Xi Jinping were there? They cleared out the streets in a second. It didn't require a massive increase in government power. They just decided to do it. They have the power. They could do it anytime they wanted to. And it wasn't, it's just, and by the way, what a disgusting slap in the face to the taxpayers in San Francisco that they could do that. They could do that anytime they wanted to, but they only did it when Biden and she were there. Because that's yeah. what they value. No, Dave, Dave, and that's what, a, so we, my point can, is just this, and this, I'm sorry, I'll wrap up on this. Yeah. My point is that the idea that our government who can't, the, the U.S. government can touch anyone in the world, right. that they can find a wedding in Yemen that they don't like and blow them up, that they could do that, 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 it doesn't require an increase in government. They could stop this flood tomorrow if they wanted to. And they don't want to. This is intentional. And they're doing it for a goal. And it's not because they think diversity is our strength. Right. Now, I agree with everything you've said. And I think we've been in perfect agreement up until this point. All right. Uh, This is where I'll have a little bit of like, I guess, pushback or just question. Because I'm I'm trying to, uh, there's even a possibility that we we might even just fully agree. And this might just be semantics. But because I I agree. What a boring podcast this has become. (laughs) Oh, yeah. <laughs> we just agree on everything. <laughs> um, the the incentives I think are, are definitely for the state to to funnel people in, and I think that there is a degree of intentionality behind it. However, mm-hmm. because I see that, I'm like, all right, well, then what's the solution to that? Because it seems like going to the people who are intentionally letting people flood in here and saying, "Stop, do that. Stop, stop doing. <laughs> Please don't do that anymore." I I don't know that that's a a viable uh solution right so i feel i feel like in a way what we're dealing with is sort of what people describe as sort of like an anarcho tyranny where like it it is sort of like where yeah there is a there is the natural state of things 
there's what, you know, if, if the government stepped out of the way and let communities and let market forces take over, this problem would fix itself. But they are t- claiming a monopoly over it and then selectively deciding to not do anything in the area they've claimed a monopoly over. That's creating all sorts of distortion, distortions and, and, and problems. But then it's like, well, well, what do we do? Do we describe ourselves as, you know, being in favor of, of closed borders or do we need to find a different path forward that that still allows people to come in, but that maybe changes the dynamics of how they're coming in. Um, so I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that? Okay. So in, from my perspective, what we do, like what we do to, um, which by the way is, <laughs> uh, weirdly, some of the people who have made the really bad arguments that we've talked about earlier have gone to me. They're like, but this is the, the problem is you're not going to convince people to think of, anti-status solutions or something like that but i'm like well okay what my thing that i really focus on and by the way there's a lot of strategies and i support a lot of them like i support homeschooling your kids and i support the free state project and i support like all these different strategies of what we can do but here's my thing is that what i try to do is persuade it's basically twofold okay I try to persuade as many people as I can to think about what libertarians ha- are like are offering as the solution. So try to make as many new libertarians as we can. And by the way, I've been pretty successful at that. I mean, I'm not saying I'm the best. There's people who are better than me, but I'd say I'm better than all of the people who are criticizing me over my borders position. Just in objectively. I'm, I'm a Dave I'll, Smith I'll convert, so I'm a little biased. Although there's another Dave Smith. Uh, well, look, just, I'm not again. There's been others who are great, too. But like the ones who look really criticize me are not. None of them are no, doing it the way I'm doing it. Although the to be fair, thing, when my you convinced other big, me when you were for open borders. So, <laughs> well, there. <you> go. <laughs> but my other my other big thing is not just to influence people, but to influence the influencers, to hmm. influence the most powerful people. Right. And so I think that the more like like my job is to get on, you know, the to get the guys and girls who have millions of like followers because I might be in the hundreds of thousands, but I'm also like very connected and I have the ear of a lot of people who have millions and millions of followers to get all of them to at least kind of like, I'm not saying I can make them all perfect libertarians, but I could take them from here to here. You know what I mean? And like, like move this needle over and try at least my best to get in front of the national conversation and move the needle to the degree that I can to move it over. Okay. A little bit more here. And my point is that the idea of open borders or open government property for whatever you want to call it is not consistent with libertarian principles and is a guaranteed poison pill where you will never move anyone particularly under the current circumstances so i'm i'm not saying that like i have control of the government or that i can if i say this then that's what the government's going to do but at the same time i also think that a lot of libertarians are very foolish and simplistic to act like, well, if you don't support open borders, then you support an increase of government on the borders. And and I know, look, 
There were uh, a lot of people got real upset about the way I said it on Clint's podcast. And I will admit, like, it was like this. It was a nighttime podcast where I was having a whiskey and I was, you know, um, and I mean, I, I stand by everything I said, but look, when I said bring the entire military home and put it on the border to win. Sorry, that's a fucking win, that's a win, dude. That's a win. Like, don't tell me for a second. You're gonna sit here and gripe with me. But I mean, like, it's such a win, but it, it's kind of unrealistic. But if we could, sure, oh my god! But so are, so is everything. if the yeah. standard is unrealistic, then you could go like, well, abolish taxation. That's unrealistic. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like, uh, so that's not, property that doesn't mean rights, anything. Eh? It's yes, that's unrealistic. But at least it's unrealistic in a way that could be sold. To a huge True, yeah. portion of the American people, whereas oh, your unrealistic thing is like totally ridiculous, dude. I've had I've had libertarians arguing with me that if we if we just allowed homeless drug addicts into public schools, then everyone would realize public spaces are bad, and so we should be an ANCAP. And you're like, really? I'm already an ANCAP, and you advocating <laughs> this makes me want to kill you. Yeah. So do you really think that's what's going to like convince normal people? Should really? Because I'm on your side, yeah. and I'm going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, in favor I'm, of not, I'm not going to kill Damn. you. I can't. I can't. But you get you get my point on that, right? Like, how yeah. So if we're in the realm of what's realistic or not, what I care about is like, okay, well, what's realistic in converting people? What's realistic in like yeah. making people grapple with these ideas? And I'm sorry, but all these guys, you know, the guys who um. Again, I know people will criticize me for saying they just live in theory or something like this, but I, I hope you understand. My point is that I think they're getting the theory wrong, hmm. but also just living in theory. At, they're even getting the not theory getting wrong, wrong because they're not dealing with reality. Like, if well, that's theory right. just exists you in always your head, to, Yes, you always have to be mixing your theory with reality. And by the way, you always have to incorporate common sense into your theory. That's yeah. a it, everyone, even even the most hardcore libertarian should recognize that even in a libertarian world, common sense has to be mixed in. That's always the case. I mean, yeah. look, it, man, I mean, I I'll play these thought experiments. I'll do libertarianism 101 all night, you know, <laughs> if you guys want to. But it, even in libertarianism 101 in an ANCAP society, if there's was a libertarian court and there was like a kid who tripped and fell over your property line and you wanted Nick to <laughs> right well if you wanted to prosecute him for trespassing versus someone who like came in to break into your house and that you know if you were the kid if if he went to trial any libertarian court i think and i wouldn't believe in this shit if i didn't think this but right. he would go like okay well let's be reasonable like let, let's right. be reasonable Let's yeah. have some common sense here. He yeah. didn't intend to trespass on your property. And like, okay, if there's a little bit of damages, maybe the punishment would be, hey, he's got to come like work on, you know, your lawn for a week or something like that. But it wouldn't be like he's going to jail over that. Like it just, and so 
you always, no matter what system you're living under or what system you're advocating, you always have to um, have this idea of common sense and what's reasonable. Well, and and virtue. this is what's so I mean, crazy to me, yeah. what's removed from the guys who are going, the homeless crackhead fucking, uh, he homesteaded the slide. <laughs> you're like, you're totally just like, That's out you, there. you're totally removed from just what's reasonable yeah. or common sense. And anyone, look, I'm just saying, the guy who made that argument yeah. is never going to have an impact on the culture. Right. I right. guarantee that. I yeah. bet every dollar I have, he's yeah. never going to have, because almost everyone goes like, yeah, that's just unreasonable. Do you, do you think another... so, there's no common sense attached to what you're well, saying. It's, it's... And again, you say, that's not an argument. You're right. That part is not an argument, It, but it's, it's true. It's an observation. It's but not, it's, it's true. It's, it's well, and I, I think I think another element here, because I think everything we've said is true, but I think an even deeper part of it is that they're missing virtue. Because, and this is something I think we would all agree with, uh, libertarianism, although I, it, it's a beautiful philosophy about peace and non-aggression and, and, and voluntarism, and listen, I'm all, I'm all for that. The name of my podcast is Biblical Anarchy. Like, I've, I've really stamped my, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I lead, I lead with the, the, the anarchy, which is really tough in Christian circles, but I, I put that albatross around my neck because it's a sure. conversation starter. It's like, what do you mean? It's like, so like, I can start talking about that. Um, but I put, I, the reason I put, you know, biblical in there is because I'm like, guys, like, I'm not just an anarchist. Like, I'm a Christian. Like, I have a system of values that, it, that my libertarianism is subordinate to. And I think the problem, and I'm listen, let me be clear. I'm not saying that if you're not a Christian or not religious, uh, that you don't believe in God or a higher power, that you can't be a good person, that you can't even be a good libertarian. But I do think that when you don't have that, libertarianism can sometimes become more than it's supposed to be to that person. It can become yeah. Yeah. the system of, of all of their values, and it becomes a pseudo-religion at that point. And I think at that point, that's when it becomes wacky, because it's not supposed to be this, this holistic world philosophy that tells you everything you need to know about virtue and morality and common sense and values. You need, and, and so I'll, I'll put it this way, the government we get will only be as good as the culture of that people. That was a little Always. bit of my point. Uh, I Jake, completely well, agree. Because there's so much to love about libertarianism. However, uh, we often go through the, the exercises of going through what is not seen. What is seen is people crossing the border. What's not seen is all the people who are already inside the border who are being taken advantage of by the government uh, and those who uh, might seek to do harm on that side. And I think maybe that's where libertarians <clears throat> should add a little bit of, of, uh, you know, bylines to their phraseology where NAP, uh, or, or, uh, and, and, uh, private property rights, but also maybe just do no harm <laughs> would be a good, uh, good adjective to, to add to that as well. Well, and just no more hypocrisy. Like, I mean, the, it's not even like the classical liberal types will, you know, are bleeding hearts about Ukraine and will bring up all day long about the, the ways in which Russia has manipulated the, the populations and stuff. Uh, but then don't think that's crazy to bring up here. Uh, now, listen, I, yeah. I came from the, the left. And when I was on the left, I was a I was still a Christian. Something I, I do have a lot of compassion for 
and I think all of us here do. I think even you, you, you do, Dave. I have a lot of compassion and, and empathy for the vast majority of of the immigrants who are who are trying to come oh, here. Oh yeah. Listen, our our government has royally screwed them, royally screwed them, and a lot of people are 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 you know families or people who've been separated from their families and. I mean, it's it's just horrific, and I, no no one here is advocating that. Like, listen, um, you can be for some sort of like you know border system, and that doesn't mean you're then for any excess of that system where people are beating people or locking them in cages or or or, or things like that. that. You want to put kids in cages, right? Yeah, no, they're they're, well, they're trying uh, to. My my <laughs> both my kids are in cages upstairs right now. Oh, yeah, yeah, I got, okay, I, yeah, I had to do yeah. a podcast. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, but <laughs> um, well, no, I think I think that's a ahead. really important point, and I also think that like, and also it's just an important point for like the social psychology of the whole thing because like people like will try to go, oh, you know, so you must hate Mexicans or whatever, and um, I uh. I don't support, look, I don't support the whole constitution free zone shit. I don't support the whole, like all of the baggage that comes along with that. And look, I, and I also do recognize that, yes, if you have the government do something, the government's never going to do it in the right way. But at the same time, and cap libertarians can all recognize that like, that's also true for the government Everything. prosecuting murderers. You know, if, if the government's allowed to prosecute murderers, then there's going to be people who are accused of murder who weren't actually guilty of the murder. And my God, if you actually want to open that box, there's so many people who like DNA evidence has overturned them and all this shit. And that, yes, that's why we're ANCAPs. That's yeah. why we don't actually, be we believe in a better system. And our job is to always be pushing people toward that better system. And if anyone ever fucking says that i'm not doing that like god damn it okay fine i'm not doing whatever but the answer isn't immediately i support the government not prosecuting murderers anymore right the answer is i'm trying to work toward this system where eventually they don't have to like and the, that's crazy if anyone says like oh you have to immediately support no government police doing anything or while the government owns the roads, there can be no speed limits or stop signs or anything like that. That this is stupid. Calling someone a border terrian well, is uh, is as as intelligent yeah. as calling them a murder terrian because right. they still think the cops should you know like prosecute murder. And so, look, I'm well aware that no matter what the government does, it's going to do it in a poor way. But also, I do think, like, to your point, Jacob, I've, uh, you know, look, I grew up in New York City. Um, I've talked about this before on my podcast, but the jobs that I had when I was a little kid and the jobs when I had when I was first starting out as a stand-up comedian, were, there were always a ton of Mexicans because they were shit jobs. And that's what the first generation Mexicans were doing. I used to believe when I was a little kid, it was the thing that made me believe in the minimum wage the most was that the Mexicans at the 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 coffee shop that I worked at were paid like under minimum wage. And I was like, they should be paid more than this. This is insane. Like I'm 14, but this guy's 34. And he's making the same thing I'm making. And, you know, I didn't understand economics or markets or anything at the, at the time. So that's what I thought. They should make it illegal to do this. Um, but 
I've I've had lots of jobs where I worked with first generation Mexicans, and I'll tell you, they were some really great people, some really noble people who worked really hard every day just to support their families. I have nothing against these people. I think many of them are much better than the people uh, that I've... They're much better than the libertarians uh, <laughs> arguing for open borders. Let me say that. But also, that's not what's going on right now. It's not. Like, look at what RFK just uh, was talking about when he went down to the border and brought a camera crew with him. It's not just Mexicans or even South Americans coming over the border. It's It's... Africans and and people from the Middle East and people from Asia and all this. It's like there's a, a huge thing going on here. And the answer is not that, well, we must, if Stalin is flooding Estonia or, or, or Ukraine with ethnic Russians, the libertarian position is this is great. That's not the case. And I think something much bigger than that. And and if you look at San Francisco or New York City or San Diego or Los Angeles or any of these big cities where the public property is being completely mismanaged, the answer isn't we can't violate the non-aggression principle. It's like, no, listen, my point is that something intentional is being done here right now. This is a major crisis in this country and libertarians, you know, look. If we have this vision of a a private property-based society where there wouldn't be these problems, and I think we could probably all agree, not probably, we could definitely all agree that there wouldn't be these problems if we lived in a private property-based society. Right. But that does not, it does not follow from that, that it's incumbent on us to argue that, hey, American citizen, you must deal with these problems now. Until we get to Ancap and Ancapistan, you must deal. think about how weird it is that if there were a private park or whatever, that we all know what the solution would be. And that's what we're advocating for. We're advocating for a system where we wouldn't allow this. But as long as the government has control of it, we have to advocate that you have to allow all of it. Yeah. That just come on, like just common sense tells you that that doesn't that's not right, yeah. and that's all I'm saying. Yeah, I, I, I just think... want libertarians to shed themselves of this unnecessary baggage. And I by, by the way, one more thing I'll say, and then is that with all the bad arguments that I've I've gotten, uh, one of the worst ones I've gotten was uh someone was saying about on uh was it when I was on Bob Murphy's podcast on the Mises uh, Weekly podcast. And I said at one point that I was like, look, there are certain like albatrosses that are on our neck that we have to carry no matter what. You know, we have to say we believe heroin should be legal, even if that's very unpopular, because there's no way for a libertarian to get around that. Uh, Look, we may not like it, but a person has a right to do heroin and they have a right. They own their own body. They own what they put in their own body. And then he goes and then Dave contradicts himself a few seconds later when he says we can remove a heroin addict from a public building. I'm like, no, that's not a contradiction. That's not a contradiction at all. You can say that people have a right to smoke weed and also not say that people have a right to smoke weed in a third grade public school classroom. It's okay to remove them. That doesn't mean that doesn't compromise any libertarian principles. So anyway, that's all. (laughs) Yeah. And I think in, 
one thing I'm curious to get you to say more, and I feel like you've said it, but I feel like a lot of people just don't ever get to the point of like hearing you out honestly enough to let you get to this. But like, I don't even know like what your position is if if it's completely accurate to classify it as like you're advocating for closed borders. Like, I think you're very clear. You say I am against open borders, and I don't think open borders is the libertarian position. But I don't really hear what you're saying for in your various interviews or like on Bob Murphy's show or even here. And you're saying, well, we should build a wall and not let anyone come in ever. I think you're just saying like we shouldn't, you know, we should just reject the idea that everybody can just come in and that there shouldn't be, you know, any system in place whatsoever. Um, You know, and then we can also talk about, well, how should that be implemented? Because maybe it shouldn't be implemented federally. Maybe. Uh, you know, maybe we can do two things at once. Maybe we can try to, you know, advocate as libertarians that this is a real problem and and uh, point to how government caused it and then offer a solution that isn't, you know, kind of crazy and unpopular like open borders, but instead advocate for something that falls along the line of one of our values of decentralization and say, maybe this is something that the individual states should start having more of a of a say in in doing. Yeah, um, so they're the so ones that are the most immediately good, impacted by that. That's a good question, and so I, the, you know, it comes down to like it's very weird what people, um, how people define open and closed borders, because I, I've seen a lot of people in the libertarian world will define open borders as, like, they'll even define the Ellis Island system as open borders, which is like not that's just a porn not, border. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> not really what the Ellis Island system was. If you actually want to look into and making it, sure people yeah. don't have razor blades. Um, yeah, and then anybody who goes, "Hey, I'm not for open borders," they go, "You're for closed borders," and you're like, "Well, I've never said I'm for closed borders. Like, I've actually said that I think Hoppa's um, sponsorship program is the best. That is the best uh, proposal for like an interim plan that I've ever heard." And that's, by the way, that this is the thing where, like, a lot of these guys, a lot of the arguments that I've heard come down to, like, well, I can reducto absurdum your position down to this. And as I mentioned, I, I specifically said on Bob Murphy's podcast, and I was so sure that that this is one of the things you live and you learn. I was so <laughs> sure that I'd go, well, now they're not going to be able to do that because I go, look, you can reducto absurdum this, but I can also reducto absurdum that. And they go. I can reduct or absurd in this. And then I still think it's like a great point. Um, It'll sound like no, I'm not for closed uh, borders. Spells, by the way. I'm not, to... Look, I'm not for no immigrants coming into the country. I think that we uh, that would hurt the economy and hurt the country. I think that the, the best situation would be if we could approximate what it would be like under a true free market situation. You know, it's, a, it's the same thing as like, what you know, what's the correct amount of wheat that should come into the country. Well, every libertarian knows there's there is no correct amount. It's what the market would dictate. Right. And in the same sense that I think the best you could get to what the market would dictate. You know, someone asked me on Twitter today. Um, they said, "Well, what do you think a, a immigration would look like in an anarcho-capitalist society?" And I said, "Well, I mean, you know, I the, or or they they asked a broader question about what public property would look like." And I was like, well, look, we could probably pretty easily, you know, guesstimate that um, on private playgrounds and private schools and private things. Yeah, like homeless drug addicts wouldn't be allowed in. They would be excluded. 
violently if necessary. Um, and I think we could pretty easily imagine that in an anarcho-capitalist society, there wouldn't be a caravan of 100,000 uninvited people coming in. I, I think that's reasonable. But there'd be yeah. lots of invited people coming in. I also think that's reasonable. Which, and, and I think so. Sponsors, how do you best simulate that? Yeah. And I, I, you know, I think the Hoppe um, sponsorship invitation yeah. pro, uh, proposal is probably the best one. But to your point, yes, I support the most local, like non-federal solution possible. So if Texas is closing their border, I support them closing their border. I don't think the federal government should interfere with them doing that. And that's you know, I'm I, I'm not claiming and a lot of people claim that this is like a uh, weakness in my argument but i don't think it is because they'll they'll be like well i have this argument that it's unowned or that whatever um i'm not claiming a net taxpayers own that and I've, I've heard some people like michael Reckenwald, i think and uh, has said this where he's like the taxpayers own the property i don't exactly agree with that i'm not that's not what i'm saying i'm not saying that net taxpayers own the property and I'm not saying that like um, the, you know, whatever. I, I don't think that's exactly perfect. I think that it, when I gave you the example before where I said, hey, if we were to privatize this by giving shares back to the net tax taxpayers or giving shares to a Swiss firm is one of those preferable. You know, like my point is that I think one is clearly preferable. I think that the net taxpayers have a better claim than anybody else. And I'm not saying that it should be like they democratically decide. I don't I don't think that's perfect at all. I think there's kind of a mix of the net taxpayers, of what is reasonable, what is best for a libertarian future. Like all of those things can be considered. And I think that when it comes to this imperfect situation that is government property, libertarians should be free to consider all of those possibilities. I don't yeah. think there's any one perfect thing. I'm not claiming that I have an irrefutable, uh, you know, consistent logical claim. My claim is that neither do these other libertarians who are pretending like they do. That actually the only irrefutable, consistent, principled position is that we should live in Ancapistan. But we don't. And so while we don't, we have to deal with these problems. Right. As if libertarians haven't for decades been advocating for private property rights and, right. and the abolition. Or that like, I'm not familiar right. with that. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And I, I, you know, as we're drawing to a close here, I mean, I wanted to touch just a little bit on, on the, the Hoppian sponsorship thing, because I, I find that to be just a completely reasonable solution, because I think that kind of gets you to the, something that's an imperfect close enough best of both worlds kind of thing where it's not just unregulated flooding in but like you know i can imagine right. just like if you implemented that how quickly would would charities and uh and then like you know uh, employment agencies and things like that like churn up in in the market to help facilitate those sorts of things i mean maybe the government monopolize it and they do it inefficiently i don't know but i can imagine that you know it, there'd be a lot of ways in which that would facilitate people coming here. Uh, I mean, let's put it this way. It can't be worse than the current system, right? right. <laughs> I mean, the current system is the worst of both worlds where if you want to come here legally, you can't. And they're letting people come in <laughs> yeah. illegally all the time. Yeah. It's just yeah. like it's it's so it's just a perfect storm of of bad on both sides. 
But what makes me so angry is like the pro progressives who are really motivated rhetorically by this. And then especially like, you know, progressive Christians who, you know, quote things from the Bible about being, you know, treating the foreigner well and, and, and loving the least of these. And listen, I agree with all that. But then like put your money where your mouth is, right? Like don't just like lobby to the government to just like, you know, let them all come in here and then be on the public dime. Like there's nothing virtuous about that. If you want to go to your church and say, let's, you know, pull our money together and bring in like 50 immigrants and house them and, and be responsible right. for them and take care of them. Do that. Like I I'd be well, all it's, for it, that. It is something look, man, uh, in the current situation, particularly where you have, you know, like if you're dealing with the actual real world crisis where you have democratic governors, uh, excuse me, democratic mayors in blue sanctuary cities who are out there going, we can't handle the buses of immigrants that we're getting in here, you know, and like it's it's like completely draining that in, in New York City, there was an extra five hundred million dollars uh just in public school Spanish speakers that they had to hire because they have all these kids who don't speak any other and by, by the way, I'm not like saying like, oh, I hate these little kids who only speak Spanish. You're like, Jesus, like. It's horrible. They're they're in this country. They didn't choose to come here, but there's five hundred million dollars that they just had to spend this last year over the fact that there's all these little kids who only speak Spanish and they don't have enough Spanish speaking teachers. And the mayor's like, "Oh my God, what's going on here?" There's a Democrat mayor in a blue sanctuary city. They're saying that, and yeah. so you're like, "Oh, okay, all right, we realize." This is a real problem that's like yeah. going on here, right? But for all the people who are like, oh, we want to help them, uh, all right, fine. I like I really appreciate that. I could even be convinced to really donate some money to help them. But it's funny, but particularly just bringing it back to the libertarian world because that's the world we have some influence in here, especially on this podcast, where they'll do this thing, where, you know, they'll, they'll post these memes it's like your home not your home not your home not your home it's like oh, okay so it's not yours either. How, how many are you putting up <laughs> right like right. oh no okay so focus on your home so just to be clear you have a right to invite them to your home right but not not your home not your home so who you got what are yeah. you doing and like no, yeah. you know what i mean like so many of them yeah it's really easy to just sit there in this current situation and say, I basically all you're saying is I'm the good person mm -hmm. because I say oh, you mm -hmm. only have control over your home and not your home. But it's also like, again, like I was mentioning before, like it's like the people who don't have kids versus the people who do have kids. But I also do think there's something just like the people who like are net taxpayers versus the ones who aren't. <laughs> and like, there's something where it's like, yeah, dude, I am supporting them already. You know, like I am. And I'm saying like, hey, I think I should have a say in this, in what I support. Meanwhile, you're supporting no one, not even yourself. And you're saying, hey, just so you know, this is all not your home. It's like, fine. I have no problem with that system. I have no problem with the system of where you only get to invite people to your home and I can invite people to my home and like all my neighbors can't. But that's not really what's going on. There's it's still not. a lot of space on Martha's Vineyard.
Right. Yeah, yeah. that was that was brilliant. That <laughs> and was they're not, so but they're they're not having them there. So who is it? I wish every yeah. one of those libertarians, like you know, I, look, I'm not trying to be a dick, but every one of those libertarians who shares that like your home, not your home meme, like I, I just be like, okay, tell me your annual income. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like post it, and I want to see some fucking some pay stubs. Also, <laughs> let me see that. And then you tell me how much you're actually putting into this and what you're telling me is mine versus not mine. Like, okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, and, and, I, and I think so we can close on this. I, I think what you're motivated by, and I think this is what I'm motivated by too, is that, listen, I, I believe very passionately, very strongly in Rothbardian libertarian anarchism. Um, I, I do. I, I think it's, I think it does give us a lot of answers to the problems going on in our world. And as a Christian, uh, you know, because I care as a Christian about about peace, about being a peacemaker uh, and, and about, you know, loving the least of these, I think libertarian understanding of, of, of the economy and of politics is what helps us as Christians to, to you know, to, to do those things to the best of our ability. So but I also understand, like, listen, how are we going to reach people with this philosophy? And then what drives me insane is that the people who are, you know, doing it really well, like like yourself, right? And then are, um, are getting blasted by a lot of these people online who just they're not. I, I don't see them changing hearts and minds, and I don't. And I think the reason why is you and me and, and Matt, we're trying to deal with real people in the real world and their problems. We're trying to meet them where they are at and then kind of guide them along the way and and not dismiss their concerns because yeah. they're valid concerns for people well, who are I, living look, in man, the real world there was a um our our mutual friend uh uh dl um what, what's his last name i'm sorry uh, coming cummings yes dl yeah. cummings yeah. Um. He just uh had a little video out. I, I didn't see the whole video, but I saw the little clip that he posted. Um. And and he was basically talking about some of the people have how they've been responding to me, and that I was uh I was talking. Um. There was one guy who said something where I was like, "Look, there's like these like drug addicts all over the streets in all these major cities and this is you know again i'm not trying to make myself out to be a victim i'm not like i moved out of new york city is the city i was born and raised in and i bought a house in the country and i'm hey look i'm not claiming to be a victim but part of the reason a big part of the reason why i left and part of the reason why i didn't come back is because like the homeless drug addict problem is out of control there and i just simply won't have my little kids grow up around that and so now, and I don't, and I'm, look, I'm not a victim. I'm able to do that. And now they, they will not grow up around that. But I was talking about that and he went, um, there was some random guy on Twitter who went, oh yeah, like, so that's your problem. Some guys doing heroin on the street, get a hobby. And he was just making the point. It's like, who are you messaging to? Like, and, and it is a thing. Like, I'm sorry. Like we said earlier, like, do you not have kids? That must be the answer is you don't have kids because it's not like I'm going, Hey, I have to look at a guy who is doing heroin and that's a problem for me. I'm going, I have a wife and babies. They have to deal with that. You're telling me that's not a real problem. Like what? And, th and then you will see these other like libertarians online who go, 
like, oh, look at Dave, but think of the children, you know, and like kind of like mock your concern over that. And you're like, hey, think of the children is a really good argument. <laughs> you know, like, a, I mean, I understand it's not the best if you're just being like, oh, my God, there's rock and roll music. Think of the children. But like if I'm talking about the war in Gaza and I go think of the children, that's actually a really good point. Yeah, we should. Yeah think of the children right and like it's just so bizarre like my my thing for libertarians would be like grow up mm. grow up participate in the real world and like and 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 try to grapple with people who have real problems and look obviously as i think i mentioned earlier there's a i, I don't exactly know you know, I like I, I interact with some of these people on social media and I, I have a following and none of them really have a following like that. So obviously I, I see way more people agreeing with me than agreeing with them. But I but that doesn't really prove it's not like a random sample of, you know, like the, the libertarian movement. But I will say that there's if there are. Like if I'm picking this fight and I'm poking on this infection, I think it's good that I'm doing this. I think it's necessary for the libertarian movement to kind of shake off some of this stuff. Like, yeah, I, and, yeah. and I don't care if you, you know, if you say, I'm not a real libertarian, or I say, you're not a libertarian, whatever. But if that's your attitude toward, like, the, you know, the, this problem, if your attitude toward, like, a mother wheeling her baby in a stroller and seeing like a naked heroin addict on the ground you know what i mean next to him being like oh my god and your attitude is like whatever that's your problem get a hobby cool i want to separate myself from you i don't want anyone to confuse what my message is with what your message is like that's what i want and so i think sometimes it's necessary to kind of like this was addition by subtraction type thing. Like, I'm not saying I want you to leave. I'd rather convince you and you come over with me. But if that is your attitude, then I think it's, it's more than important that we separate who's who here. Yeah, I agree. Matt, do you have any, uh, anything you wanted to ask or say here before we close out, man? I very much appreciate the uh, willingness, Dave, that you have to uh, step on this landmine. <laughs> uh, it's my, and, my pleasure. And, and allow us all <laughs> to uh, uh, watch where the pieces fly and then uh, go over to where it's safest. So, um, <laughs> But I agree with you that uh, we as individuals have a responsibility, I think, first to do no harm and to think about those who would be uh, a part of that equation. And frankly, being a father and a, a husband really, uh, really pinpoints who the harm might go to first. So, uh, so thanks for, 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 for doing that. Very much appreciate you, buddy. Yeah, and, and to piggyback off that, we can't go to people and say, cause I know some people will hear that and go, Oh, there's people being harmed by the border policy. I think, yeah, but you can't go to people and say, you need to sacrifice yourself for them. Like that's yeah. just not a good way to start a conversation to be like for, Hey, I'm trying to sell you this abstract philosophy and part of this abstract philosophy is you need to sacrifice your family's security for, for someone else's. I'm not yeah. saying we shouldn't advocate for compassion. But that's not, also, that's not, but, listen, that's not Christian and that's not libertarian. Yeah. Like, right. Libertarian might be to say, hey, are you willing to sacrifice some of yourself for these people? Like, and if you are fine, but it's not you have to. 
Right. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the libertarian <clears throat> position or the Christian position. Right. Like right. the Christian position is that God gave man free will. They go, you have to be a Christian. You went, hey, you have free will and you can decide to do good or bad with that. And by the way, otherwise there would be no good or bad. If God just ordered you to do good, then you wouldn't be doing good because you were ordered to by God. The only way you can do good, and this is, to me, at least the fundamental Christian like premise, is that there could be no good without free will. Because it's only if you're given free will and then you choose to do good with that free will, then it's good. If God, like, like God could have just programmed all of us to be good, but what would that prove, right? Like mm. that would pro prove nothing. Then there's no, you're not being good. If you were just programmed to be good, you're only being good. If you were given the choice to be good or evil and you choose good. And so in the same sense, that's the libertarian ethic that it's like, Hey, look, this is your choice. And if you want to try to convince somebody to take, Hey, look, there's this destitute, Mexican coming over the border and we'd really like if you would help them out and maybe you're in the situation where you could help them out. Sure. Okay. Try to convince them that I give a decent amount of money to charity and like I, I could be convinced to give to different charities or whatever, but that the libertarian position is not, or the Christian position is not to tell someone, no, you have to, you right. know, this thing you've been paying property taxes into your whole life. Screw you. It's not yeah. yours anymore. Yeah. You have no say. You have no claim. You got robbed your whole life, and now it's for someone else. That's not right. That's not libertarian. Yeah. That's not Christian. That's not anything good. No, I 100% agree. It's not good. It's not persuasive, and I think it's not persuasive because it's just not right. <laughs> so yeah. that that's what it lands on. Uh, Dave, I really appreciate you coming on and having this out. I feel like we were able to... Uh, you know, identify a lot of the moving pieces here and uh, hopefully people listening in were able to understand where you're coming from and uh, have their, if they disagree, have their perspectives challenged. And uh, again, see your, I think your heart in this is 100% in line with, with libertarianism. I think the ideas you're arguing are, you're, you're, are, as you, as you highlighted, you're, you're, uh, you didn't invent this stuff. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, if Murray, and this is complicated and we, we, you, you you agree with that too? I mean, Murray Rothbard's on both sides of this position. That's how complicated it is, and we're we're not going to get it perfect, but we can identify what's better and what's worse, and we can try to make sure we're advocating for things that are uh, going to promote the most human flourishing and that are going to be the most persuasive to people. And I think that's kind of what I got out of this the most. So, any closing thoughts before we hop off, Dave? Um, yeah, I mean, I I agree with that, and I think that um, look. There's, again, I'll, I'll just close by saying once again, there's, there's a major crisis in this country where with um, homeless encampments on public property, with, with uh, unfettered immigration, de facto open borders, and whatever you want to call it, hundreds of thousands a month coming into the country, this is going to change the country in irreversible ways that I believe are very damaging to the country. Hmm. If you're... On the other side, let's say you you are a libertarian, an anarcho-capitalist who believes that uh, I'm wrong and all things being equal, we have to have open borders today and all things being equal, we have to have everyone allowed into public schools today or what, whatever, or, or you're somewhere in between there. Like I think Ace, you know, 
splits the difference by going, well, the public school has been homesteaded, but the border hasn't or something, even though I don't think any, I think all that's just kind of imagining libertarian theory into real life. When, by the way, a lot of libertarian theory, like the things we talked about earlier with like homesteading, that's not just imagining, like that's how most of this country was created. Like that, Mm -hmm. that is real. Like, you know, mixing your labor with unowned land, that's different. But regardless, even if you're one of those guys, then you'd have to say that like, look, hate me as much as you want to, but I'm the guy who's like, I'm, I'm getting in front of millions of people and moving them in your direction. You know, like even if you think I'm, let's just say you think I'm, I'm not a libertarian on borders and public property. I, or some people go, just go join the Republican Party. It's like, okay, so then I, sure. So then I'd be a Republican who, from your position, is just great on war and taxes and money and drug wars and cops and regulation and, well, you know, like all the other issues. I'd be great on except this one issue. It's like, okay, so fine. Consider me that. I mean, I'm not joining the Republican Party. I'm going to stay in the Libertarian Party, but fine. So that's what I am to you. Okay. So you just think I'm not a libertarian on this one issue. That's fine. I I disagree with you. I don't think your point's right, but I'll just be the guy who's still going and, you know, convincing Candace Owens or Tim Pool or Joe Rogan to be more better than they were. But from my perspective, you know, like from my perspective, you're somebody who's not moving anybody in any meaningful way over to this. And you're just attacking me for what you see as not being good on these two issues. But what I see is that you are being complicit in in organized government plan Mm. to destroy the lives of my family. Mm. And I mean that very seriously. That's exactly what I think it is. As much as it was Stalin's plan to destroy the national sovereignty of Estonia by flooding ethnic Russians into it, I believe it is the, the plan of the ruling elite right now as this empire is crumbling and everyone's waking up to their corruption to flood in a, a different population. Hmm. And I, I don't think any libertarian should out of hand dismiss that as some conspiracy theory or something like that. I think that is their plan. I think it is their plan to make San Francisco and San Diego and Los Angeles and New York City and Chicago and all of these cities unlivable for people. I believe that is their plan. So just understand that from your perspective, I'm still a pretty good messenger for your movement who you just think is wrong on one issue. But from my perspective, you're not a messenger at all. You're not convincing anyone. And you are just arguing with me that I must support this plan from the ruling elite to destroy my family's life and the people I love's family's lives. So understand where there's a little asymmetry in the in the energy that i have toward you and the energy you have toward me and that you know like i said before jacob you know all this talk about who's a real libertarian you know there there does come a certain point where um the classical liberal caucus guys could say i'm not a libertarian because i don't want to fund the war in ukraine and the war in gaza that guy uh foe's wife who you debated the other day 
you know, he could say, well, just make excuses for the war in Gaza, for the borderline genocide going on right there. It's like, okay. And you could say that's infighting. I don't consider it infighting. You're not in with me. If you want to support these wars, you're not in with me. If you want to make excuses for these wars, you're not in with me. And if you want to if you want to make excuses for the plan to destroy Western civilization, you're not in with me. I don't care if you're good on some abstract principle. Like I, what I really care about, as we mentioned earlier, when you have kids, you recognize this. What I really care about much more than anything Murray Rothbard ever wrote, even though what I'm arguing is consistent with everything he ever wrote. What I really care about is my kids having a good, a good life. Hmm. Yeah, that's more important to me than any of this. M much more important, and, and I really do believe this. I'm not just saying this because I'm on your show. What's more important with me is my relationship with God, my relationship with my wife, and my relationship with my kids. That's much more important to me than any, whether you think I'm a real libertarian or not. But I'm a real libertarian. <laughs> so just to be clear, just to be clear, I'm also a real libertarian, and you're also wrong about that part. I don't really care if you think about that. The the prior is way more important than the latter. That's okay. too great. That's all it, I'll it, say. In the free market of ideas, you're certainly winning in terms of defining that word. So I, I think that yep. that that goes without saying. Yeah, too. you guys can pick a different one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, Dave, I again. Thank you so much for coming on and having this conversation with us. Thank you, Matt, for co-hosting. And thank you all for listening. Um, make sure you subscribe. We're going to be doing a lot more live streams like this here at LCI uh, going forward, having people on and just trying to dive to the heart of these complicated issues that are facing uh, our nation, facing our world, facing uh, us as people and families and figuring out how to traverse them, how to advocate for liberty, how to advocate for virtue and for what is right. So Thank you all for tuning in and we'll talk to you next time.